Welcome to the stateside Spurs. What a week we have to review. Uh, it's been about nine days since we've last been on this podcast. Uh, joined here by Austin and Chris again. Tons of things to get through. Um, Austin, Chris, thanks for joining. We, uh, we appreciate it. Um, I know it's another, uh, probably another hour, at least hour-long podcast we have today. Tons of things to talk about. Crazy week uh, of ups and downs, I would say. Uh, and we're going to get into that, but... Uh, Austin, how are you feeling? I, I, man, I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's been I've been up and down and all around the past uh, nine days. I don't know. I'm, I'm still it, trying to wrap my head around it. it. Like a, would you compare it to like a middle school relationship? You know, <laughs> kind of like the, you, the, you asked the girl to check yes or no if she wants to go on a date with you or she, she'll be your girlfriend. And then like, you know, a few days later, she, you see her talking to another guy in the hallway but then, like, the, like four days after that, you get your first kiss, and so you're just like kind of all over the place. Is that kind of how you would compare this week? Or yeah, man, it's like uh, you know, years later after that middle school relationship, you think that relationship lasted like seven months, but it lasted a week. Yeah, that's yes. what this week's gonna feel like. And it was a huge week in our season. Let's be honest, Chris. How big of a week was this for us? This was this was big. I mean, I mean, we'll get into all the games that we played, but I mean, I. I it's weird to have this much fish, fixture congestion and to feel good about it. Like to, to be, I think, what are we, five games unbeaten now in all competitions? Haven't lost since Everton, yeah. So, I mean, to come out of this, I, I this is the best outcome you could have expected from this run of games this early on. Yes, some of them were pretty um, pretty bad teams. I mean, the, these, Europa, these Europa League clubs are pretty out there, but... To come through and and the only knock on wood sustained injury is Sonny that I can think of. I mean, I, I don't know that you could say much more about that. I yeah, yeah. And I think if that is the you know one of the downfalls of this, I mean, Sonny is you know I would say probably our our second most important player in that team sheet right now. Um, some would argue that it would be Hugo, but you know. Either way, 2A, 2B. So it, it, hopefully it's not too much of an injury. We'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, <coughs> let's just jump straight into it. We had a game, was it was today, Thursday? Yeah, we had a game a week ago um, against uh, that Macedonian team. Skindigia? Yeah, Skindigia. Let's talk about that game quickly. That was one of those games, kind of, for me, it was like the game against the Bulgarian farmers. We... We got up to a quick start. We scored a goal. We think we're going to put this to bed by halftime, get some substitutions, and the game kind of lingered a little bit, little bit longer than I think anyone, any Spurs supporter would have liked. 
Um, or maybe any spurgy. It's definitely longer than Jose Mourinho wanted it to, to linger. Uh, Austin, what are your thoughts on that, um, that, that fixture? Well, you know, um, honestly, can, can these l- lower clubs stop scoring wonder goals against us? It's getting really <laughs> annoying that every time they shoot, we're going to get to the game that just happened today, but it seems like every time they shoot from 30 yards, it's like top bends or tracking. It's really annoying. Yeah, it was lingering. You're, you're exactly right. It's one of those results, one of those matches where it's like not putting it to bed and we'll we'll get to a match here, the next match that we'll review right after this one, where the longer you don't put it to bed and you just leave it one goal, you start getting worried. But uh, Sonny and Kane were linking up again later in, late in the game and put it to bed and, you know, can't really ask for much more when you're traveling all the way to Macedonia in the middle of the week. Yeah, and so we we saw uh, Chris. We saw a lineup last last Thursday. I'm sure we don't remember because we've seen you know three lineups since that lineup. But we did see. Uh, I think you know Joe Hart is so far has kind of been the the Europa League uh, keeper, um, and Dombele as well. That was kind of his his. He went 90 minutes. I believe he went 90 minutes on Thursday, yeah. uh, a week ago. Uh, what were your thoughts on on that lineup? Um, briefly, obviously, you know, Mourinho has taken this very seriously, not taking it for granted that these teams uh, are, are walks in the park, essentially. Um, and then, so what are your thoughts on Joe Hart being that Europa League keeper? Is it something that you will see into the group stages as well? Yeah, I, I, I think it's, it's one of those things where we're going to see Hugo as much as Jose can use him. I think Jose feels a lot better having Joe Hart there. I can't explain that. But I think he feels better having Joe Hart as that backup keeper. Um, it also, like we've talked about multiple times, opens up that Euro- that European spot if they can offload Gaza somewhere. Um, it's not what I would want to see. I would rather have Gaza there. But, hey, I mean, Joe Hart, it is what it is. Um, and Domble, the the idea of him, like, we're starting to see these rumors now that he's getting things going. He's training better. He's more fit. Um so I think we're going to see more of him. But yeah, the, the Joe Hart thing, as much as we can see him, as much as we can see Hugo once we get into the group stages, we're going to see Hugo. But I think in the long run, Jose feels a lot better about just having Joe Hart as a that number two keeper so that if we're, once we've solidified maybe moving on past the group stage, you're going to see Hart come in and play those. And you're going to see him in those uh, those League Cup games and in uh, those early round FA Cup games. But is what it is, I guess. I, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think you know Austin made a good point, like point a couple of minutes ago. Like these teams are scoring worldies against us. Like the 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 goal that was scored on Joe Hart last Thursday. Um, there's not a keeper in in the world that makes that save. And so no. um, same with today. It's not when you're going to see any keeper. You're going to see him try, and I would rather see that. And we had a couple of times, I think, last season where Gazaniga had some shots that were. Shots he should have gotten to, but his positioning threw him off. Joe Hart has been one of those keepers historically that um, he gets caught out. It happens to him a lot. Like that's that's what ruined his career is he he get he gets caught out every once in a while, and it's one of those things you're gonna have to deal with as long as you have him back there. It's just it, it, he is who he is. Yeah, Austin. Um, when they when they <coughs> scored that wonder goal to to make it one one. What was going through your head? Were there any concerns at that point that, sh- shit, here we go, here, getting <laughs> knocked out of the Europa League before we even get to the group stage? Is that was that a concern at all? Or 
for like a half a second, you know, I remember back when we, we when we got knocked out of the group stage in Europa League on a red nap. I remember, um, you know, losing to teams that we had no business losing to. And I remember even last season, you know, getting knocked out of, of the FA Cup the way we did. Um, yes, it's going to creep in, but I still had confidence that we had enough firepower to, to get more opportunities. And, and I would have felt worse if it came from bad defending or it came from a from a defensive error or a bad back pass or something like that. I, oftentimes, and I think we saw it today, and we'll get to the, today's game, when a team scores a wonder goal against you, I don't think your heads drop that much early in the game. I think sometimes the defenders are just like, well, that fucking sucks. Let's just keep going. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it almost it makes you want to go get a goal right away. I don't think your head drops because of it. So I almost, if we were going to concede in that game, I don't mind it coming from like a one in 100 shot like that. That that guy probably has never hit a shot that pure in his professional career. No, nah, no, he was shocked. I mean, I, I remember <laughs> seeing the look on his face. He like looked around and his team, like, did I just do that against, you know, against Tottenham? Um, and then are the fans not here. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I think I don't remember if Kane came on after that winter goal, if it came on right before, but then you bring on Harry Kane and you're like, okay, like we've had control of this game. I think Chris, uh, I want to go to you here. Like we had control of the entire game from, from what I remember of this game. And then we bring Kane on. And I think it's only a matter of time. The way I felt it was only a matter of time before we do get that second goal and put this to bed. What were your thoughts whenever we brought Kane on? That's that's basically what it was. Is um, was this the game where uh, where Jose said they had their their moment to dream, or was that the first uh, first Europa League draw? You can say it was all three teams that we played. Yeah, but. I guess we we gave them their <laughs> moment, and then I, I think he was hoping to be in a situation where we wouldn't have to bring on Kane and the the players that and the lineup that he put out there first were strong enough to put that one away beforehand. And then you know all that happens, and you have to trot out your your star player to to, to ice it. Um, I don't think there was ever a point where I was truly worried, but there were some moments where I was kind of like worried that that mental lapse that we're kind of known for would sneak in, and it would cost us a game. Like I, I that's what I was most afraid of is just having that one mental moment where we break down in the defense. And we just never recover. But I think Jose has done a lot of work towards fixing that little blip on the radar that, you know, I guess that we, we've we've historically run into. Yeah. I mean, great result. We ended up, you know, having to bring Kane on. We started a strong team. We ended up winning 3-1, to one, come back, and then, uh, you know, two days of rest, and we're back to the Premier League. Um, this game, uh, I know we are going to spend some time on Probably not too much about the game, more about the decision that robbed us of two points. But let's start with the lineup um, of the Newcastle game. I think it's uh, a very strong lineup. Uh, yes, Austin. I just want to say real quick, and we can track this through all these matches, the 90 minutes that uh, that Tongi played in that match uh, I think are really big. And I think we should just, just mention at each of these matches because there's only been one match so far in this season that he has not featured in in some way and i think that's a really big statement and uh so i think just as, as matches, uh, I, I don't want us to lose track of the fact that tongi went from in project restart never featuring in us every day colin we were texting where is he to now he is featured in every match except for against maccabee so uh just just keep that in the back of our minds here as we yeah and forward. he didn't i don't think he, got, he didn't featured played really really well in some of these games like he's been 
a, a beast in some of these games. Yeah. And, and like yeah. it's been it's, yeah. And he, he was subbed off at halftime. Did he get, the, did he get but, the start against uh no he didn't get the start against uh Newcastle. No. He was uh he came in on the last uh, seventeen last like fifteen minutes. Yeah. yeah, so we lined up uh four two three one against Newcastle. Um, you know, we had our original you know back four except for, that we've been seeing for quite some time, I feel like, uh prior to this week. Dyer Sanchez uh, as the center backs. It looks like you know, Marina has some real confidence in those two. Um, <laughs> and then we go, uh, Sergio uh, Regulon wasn't wasn't ready to play yet or start, so we had Davies, our boy Davies at left back, uh, Darty at right back, and then we had the Wings, uh, Hoiberg pivot. We had uh, Son, Lo Celso, uh, Mora, and Kane. Um, so, you know, I don't think, Austin, that lineup, that, <coughs> that, that was a, a lineup that I think we would expect to take care of Newcastle, correct? Yeah, and to be fair, we dominated that entire match. I, I really I, I think some people get really hyperbolic when like the result doesn't come well and they're gonna say when you get to the res- to the decision at the end, well, we should have put away our chances. We forced more that was the most saves the Newcastle keepers had in the Premier League since 2013 when Tim Krul had two more saves than that against who? Tottenham Hotspur. They haven't had that many saves in seven seasons in a Premier League match. We were putting, we put 13 shots on target. We had 22 shots. Some days a keeper stands on his head. I mean, if we were putting all the shots wide and, and, and spurning chances, then I would get that argument. We dominated that match. Do you know how many shots on target Newcastle had? One. The penalty in the 97th freaking minute. And that is the latest, funny, funny stat from Opta, that is the latest a team has ever had their first shot on target in a Premier League match ever. So we dominated that match. That lineup did ever in the tactics that Jose set up. We they sat back and defended, and usually we play bad. Our performance wasn't. We were we were creating chances. We were dominating the ball, and our defense looked incredibly solid. Yeah, I, and then Chris, how do you feel about that? I mean, we had uh, twelve shots on target. One one goes in. Um, were there any clear, I mean, yes, the keeper had some great saves. Also, I think right. there was some, uh, lack of finishing, uh, in general in front of goal that we saw. Um, Chris, what, what was your, uh, your take on the first, you know, 90 minutes? Let's not get to extra time yet. We'll get to extra time in the PK. What was your take on the first 90 minutes? Even Steven Bruce said it. Um, they, we, we beat them without their keeper playing an absolutely, off his like just off his knocker, just absolute game. We win that game hands down. Um, it, it's a pretty it's pretty straightforward, pretty simple. As Austin was saying, we we dominated the ball, we dominated possession, we we were creating chances, and I think that's the big part that we're now seeing with players like uh, Lacelso, who is who has become kind of an engine player, who's able to create those chances there where we used to struggle against teams that would hunker down and let's not. Uh, Newcastle literally put all 11 men behind the ball for all 90 minutes. Like they played hunker down and we were still able to create and, and put chances on, on goal. We were still able to maintain possession. There were very few of the silly little error. Well, I say very few of the silly little errors, but because we did have some mistakes in there (coughs) and we did leave the door open for them a couple of times and uh, it almost cost us. But we rebounded well, and that's a big thing that uh, in previous seasons I wouldn't have seen from or, or expected from Spurs is normally we get into those situations 
and we fold once, we give up a goal, and then heads drop, and we're we suck ass for the the other ninety minutes of the game. Yeah, uh, awesome. cycled through really well in this game. Yeah, this game I think was a complete domination from the time the the first whistle blew until uh, you know I don't even know who the 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 referee was until he went to the the screen to give that penalty. Um, you know, we dominated that game. So let's not talk too much about the game. Let's just jump straight into it. Austin, awesome. <coughs> the handball the handball rule that the Premier League has changed this offseason has turned into a disaster. Not just for us, but across the entire league. The amount of penalties that have been given through the first three weeks um, has been insane. And the amount of them that have been due to penalties, uh, due to handballs, um, is, you know, I think you sent me a stat. It's going to be over 200 at the end of the year at this rate. So, Austin, talk to me about this. We, we went back and forth in our chat about uh, I was trying to be the level-headed person, not getting too emotional, playing devil's advocate. Oh, uh, <laughs> I'm going to let you take this, Austin, because you were the one that was very passionate about it. Talk to me about this handball rule and how it is ruining the Premier League at this moment. So, so they, they took the ruling from from IFAB, right? And so, because it took it out of Premier League's hands, and and by the letter of the law, they applied the letter of the law correctly. I'm not going to argue that. Okay, if your hand is above your shoulder level when the ball strikes your arm, it's a handball, and you don't get the benefit of the exception of the near deflection or the the header kick from close from close in. Fine. But this is a classic example, and this happens in public policy when 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 states, countries, cities write laws where they over legislate. They take a something simple and they're trying to to write it to codify it into text so precisely that it takes all context and subjectivity out of it and it binds the hands of people who have to execute it. The referee could have gone and the reason it took four minutes, Colin, first of all, it took four minutes. Four minutes. At VAR, if anything takes four minutes and you're looking at two seconds of video, it's not clear and obvious. So that's first of all, VAR is not being consistently applied. I'll get to that point in a second. But the referee could have seen the push on Dyer's back that caused the handball because the handball was only caused because Dyer jumped in the air, was pushed from behind so his arms go up. But the referee's not allowed to call a foul in that instance. He's only allowed to rule on was it a handball or not a handball. He's not allowed to say, oh, there was a foul that caused the handball. So that is ridiculous in itself. If he's going to look at the video, he should be able to call whatever he sees. But he didn't call it. No one called it in real time. VAR tells him, hey, we think there's a handball. Go take a look. He's not allowed to say, oh, there is a handball, but it was caused by a foul. They had an out. The referee could have easily said, there was a foul, free kick to Spurs, and avoided this whole mess. And Newcastle would have never complained. Nobody would have complained because that's the right decision. But the letter of the law, both on how VAR is applied and how the law is written, prevents the referee from using common sense. The whole point of refereeing is to, to know the rules of the game, apply common sense, and they're not being allowed to. And so then what does FA come out and do? They say, we're going to allow the referees more leniency, but... Handballs like Dyer still will be called a handball. Again, FA, you're just kicking yourself in your own balls. All you have to say is, hey, if a foul is what causes the handball, we'll allow referees to call it. You can get yourself out of this stupid situation, but the FA seems determined to make things difficult on themselves for no reason.
Colin's got his uh, mic. Colin, I think you're on mute. Yeah, I am on mute. So, uh, sorry about that. We've been seeing a lot of this uh, this season that I've been uh, glad that we have been seeing. But when when a, a call goes to VAR, and Chris, I want to ask you, um, now we see referees go to the, the screen on the pitch, right? And a lot of that makes me start thinking, is is the referee that's getting called to go look at this uh, the screen on the pitch to review um, whatever it is that they're reviewing, does that put something in the back of their mind that maybe they got this call wrong? Because what I've seen now is most of the time when they go to the pit, to the screen, uh, the screen side pitch, the call is always reversed the opposite way. I can't remember a time in the past three weeks where I've seen them go look at that screen and say, no, I made the correct call. So is the VAR official that's you know somewhere in London, um, I'm not sure where they are, is that starting to put some doubt in the referee's mind? Maybe I got this call wrong, and they're thinking, yeah, you know what? If they think I should take a look at it, I was probably wrong, and so therefore I'm going to issue this handball. Do you think there's any part of that that's happening, Chris? Or is it just the stupid, the stupid law? And on top of this law, uh, isn't it something that all of these teams had to agree with prior to the season starting? They just didn't think that it would be implemented this way, or kind of, kind of talk yeah, me through what you think I this think is. I think it's, it's. They all did have like this was all a, an agreement that had to be made, but at the same time, I think there was a lot of, or I guess a lot of misconception or a lack of clarity on how it would be done, and and I, I think that's what they're running into. Like Austin was saying, they could very easily clear a lot of this up and stop banging their toes against you know, coffee tables in the middle of the night. It's like, it's the stupidest thing. Um, but as far as going over and looking at the screen is concerned, I don't think that that necessarily throws it into the official's mind that, hey, maybe you got this call, call wrong. VAR is supposed to be, it's meant to be an extra set of eyes that says, hey, something happened here, go have a look at it. And that's exactly what it's supposed to do. But instead... They're narrowing the field down to, you made this call, go have a second look at this call. Don't make any decisions based on what else happened. I mean, if you really want to take a look at it, go back and look at the foul that occurred that led up to that penalty kick that that happened. Literally, a player threw himself into Hoybier and then collapsed on the ground. The referee turns around, sees two players and says, oh, something happened behind me. Let me call this foul. That's where VAR should have kicked in and said, hey, go back. You just made this call. Let's have a look at it. If you're going to make that call, that's where VAR should have kicked in, is the VAR official should have had that responsibility to say, you just made a call and gave the ball to Newcastle, and perhaps you know maybe that shouldn't have happened. Um, as far as the official being able to go over and having a look at the actual screen, I think that's more helpful, but these refs need the kind of guidance and the kind of leeway to say, call what you see in this review. And that's where that's the breakdown right there. The official needs to be able to look at that call at that uh, at that recall at that replay and call what he sees that's in there. Not what the VAR tells him to go look at, but everything that happens in the scope so that he can make his judgment call as an official uh, and and ref the game as it should be. But that's. That's yeah. not what we're seeing. We're we're seeing whatever the hell this is. <laughs> yeah, Austin, 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 you want to add on to that? Yeah, so three things. One, you're absolutely right, Chris. Inconsistent use of the monitor, right? Not only was the foul that caused the free kick 
clearly something that the referee missed. That's the whole point of VAR. Oh, the referee had his back turned to the incident because the pass was gone. Let's make sure he saw this. That's the whole point of VAR. Not you were staring right at something that you chose not to call a handball. Go look at it again. So inconsistent use. But not only that, Dyer had a handball three minutes before the one that was called. It came off his back and arm. Carroll headed it into his back, and it looked like it was just like the Sissoko handball in, in Champions League where it hit both his body and arm simultaneously. VAR looked at it and didn't even have them go look at it at the monitor. Lascelles, I know people are saying that his hand was into his body when Ndombele was trying to cross it across him. If you actually look at it, his hand was in his, was, his arm was going towards his body, but his hand was sticking out and his hand touched the ball and he moved his hand towards the ball and it stopped a clear goal scoring opportunity. Andy Carroll's header was going across the top of the 16 yard box into a crowded area. They didn't look at anything but the last one. Yeah. And then to your point, Colin, because they look at in the monitor, they call it. And I don't know if you guys saw this article, but at the Man United incident with Mape, uh, not, well, not with Joe Mape, Ward. sorry, it was Joe it, Ward. not Joe Ward. Sorry, the uh, the Man United incident where there was a penalty earlier on in the game. The they leaked the information that the VAR official they're talking in their ears, right? They're communicating. He yeah. told the on-field referee, "You need to go look at this. The attacker caused the caused the um." The, the contact, you need to go look at it because we're pretty sure the attacker caused the contact. Well, now he's going over to the monitor expecting to see that. Yeah. What's the point? You can't guide him. Yeah, it's so, almost like it's almost like you're um, like, you know, you're about to go on this first date with somebody, but I'm telling you everything there is to know about this person. So you right. set this own perception of what you're going to see and you already it doesn't matter what you see on the monitor. Well, you already have this idea of what you're looking for and what you're looking to see. So that's kind of where I was going. Is like, last that's kind of where I was going. It's like going to this monitor, what's being said in that headset? You know, I think it should just be like, hey, we sh you should go take a look at it. Not these are the things that we see. You, these are the things you should look for. Like there's too many voices Why can't going they just on. Buzz their watch. Why can't they just buzz their watch to say, hey, we're going to put something up on the monitor to go look at it. And then they look at the play and call it as if they're seeing it for the first time. That's all they should do yeah. is a little buzz to come to them and say VAR instead of saying goal or no goal. They go over to the monitor and they recall the play. Yeah. I mean, so it's that I want to kind of I want to move on to past that and, and just say in general, I think it was really, really interesting to see uh, Steve Bruce, uh, Newcastle manager, saying how he agrees that this rule is stupid, right? He just benefits from this. Uh, they're stealing a point. He's like, this is a terrible rule, you know? And so that has to give us hope that something's going to be changed um, because, you know, you're seeing clubs. Yeah, we got screwed this week. Who's going to get screwed this next weekend? You know, well, what's great about that is you pair that with Jose Mourinho. Steve Bruce make that call. And you're going to see Steve Bruce say that at Newcastle. You're not going to see Frank Lampard no. say that. You're not going to see anybody in the top six ever come out and say this. If it works in your favor, you're not going to see any of that. You're not going to see Jose come out and say that if it works in our favor. It's just not going to happen. But it's it's just a terrible rule. Well, <laughs> that, that was the great thing is that Jose didn't say anything. He put a slight dig at Man United saying some teams know that even after the final whistle, there is a chance for something to happen. But we know that doesn't happen for us. But I choose not to speak. Yeah, And Steve Bruce, being the winning team, knows I'm not going to get fined for saying anything, so I will speak out against it, right? I thought that was such quality from Steve Bruce. You got you got to stand up for him and say, hey, you know. Yeah, he, he knows he knows that his team got dominated on, on Sunday. Well, and and he Colin, knows that. You guys this. 
He put Andy Carroll in at the end of the game. Chris, you said, "Oh fuck!" The f- in our group chat, you said, "Oh no, this I'm I'm this I'm scared of this." How many teams, especially lower in the league, later on the table, if they're down one goal or they're drawing late in the game, are they just going to put on their biggest dude and say, "Hey, just head balls at people's arms"? Oh, I'm I'm aiming for people's yeah. bodies or bringing arms at this point. If, I, if I'm striker. yeah, if I'm freaking Fulham right now, if I'm Scotty Parker, I'm like. Just kick it at their body, like in the box somewhere, and hopefully yeah, it hits an arm, and we can score a goal and get rid of this minus seven goal differential that we have. Um, the, the the worst part about this, right, is is the Premier League in general last weekend, big clubs were dropping points. Chelsea was down 3-0 at halftime to West Brom. Yes, they came back and stole a point. Uh, I know there's going to be a hand. You want to talk about you know, Havertz handling the ball before they're... Um, they're equalizing. We're not going to get into that. Uh, United, again, you know, United steals points from Brighton. Brighton hit the woodwork five times. They come and get a PK. They get came and get a PK uh, at the end of the game to actually win win that game. Uh, the, the worst part about this, you know, is I look at this table right now, and if we get that win, we are uh, tied for fourth, one goal, uh, one point, um, you know, one one goal differential off of fourth, and that's Aston Villa. That would be ahead of us. And now instead we sit at eighth, tied with Chelsea uh, and uh, a bunch – actually just tied with Chelsea and Newcastle. Actually, we're tied with Newcastle now. Um, and so is this something that you think will hurt us? I mean, granted, Spurs, some season – we know that we don't get off to a great start. Is this something you think will come back to haunt us, you know, you know, match day 36, 37, 38, Chris? Or do you think it's just so early in the season that it's, it's not that big of a deal? One of us – think we may have been talking about this in the group um like remember that those points remember that handball because at the end of the season that's one of those things where if we're if we're two points shy of fourth or two points shy of third wherever we land or the title yeah then (laughs) chris is selling us us short here uh but on, I mean, it's, honestly, it's Transformania right now. Where's your Where's your belief in Tottenham Hotspur? Come on. <laughs> well, I I will remind you that for three seasons in a row, we were one point shy of Arsenal finishing in fourth. This is yeah. a while ago, but three seasons in a row, we either level on points or one point behind Arsenal for three seasons in a row. That's how narrow these margins are. Look at last season. What four points separated third to eighth or something like that. Yeah. We have a different result in that Sheffield game last year um, where I believe that was the game with the Lucas handball Lucas where handball, he was yeah. fouled and fell. Um, and they called that foul on the field. Yeah. Called advantage. And, and they, didn't give a, they didn't give us the free kick. They no. Called, they called the goal away and then they got – Somehow they, the handball overrules our goal and the foul. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but I mean, these I, are common sense things, right, Chris? Like these are things that aren't like – it doesn't take a brain surgeon to see, okay uh, – I'm going to go back to that Sheffield game. It doesn't take a brain surgeon to say, hey, Lucas got fouled. If you're going to give that handball, uh, the result of the handball was due to the foul, so it should be a free kick. How do you not just track it back one step prior? How is that that hard to do, Chris? I, <laughs> no one knows. It's it, it, So let me, let me rephrase this question. <laughs> Are the FA a bunch of fucking idiots, Chris? Basically, yes. And they don't yeah. like to admit that they're wrong. I, I think it's a little from column A, little column B. They they really don't like to admit, like, hey, we may have made a poor rule here. Like, we may ne- we may not have thought this rule all the way through clear to the end. And they may be going back saying this may just be an overall, like, bad bad way to, to phrase this. We may have done this wrong. Um, I This is – this – I – 
I really don't want this ruling and this handball thing and all to become the overarching theme of the the season. And I feel like that's what's going to happen is all year we're going to be getting these awful, awful calls that we're going to be going back to the well, this is that terrible fucking handball rule again. Here it comes. Yeah. And it's already starting. What's that? that They've been keeping the table. They've been keeping a table since VAR was implemented in Premier League. I I can't find it right now, but I'll I'll send it to you guys. They've been keeping a table of uh, decisions that have changed points in games. So it's a relative table of how many points you've gained or lost since VAR came in. Tottenham's 20th in the table with negative 20 points. (laughs) I hate to be that guy. To say we're, uh, I don't think we're targeted, but I mean, it has screwed us in the Premier League for everything we got against Manchester City and Champions League. We have had that plus way more taken away in the Premier League because of the way VAR is implemented in England, and they're the only country that can't get this right. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, they're going to have to get it right because it's not just us. There are other clubs uh, and other big clubs. Uh, with lots of money that will be complaining about this as the season progresses. It's going to have to be the right club gets affected by this ruling. Yeah. And then you're going to start seeing change. As soon as you hear like a Man City with all of their money being trampled by this rule, it'll change. Yeah. Uh, it's tough, tough, tough draw. But uh, we, we move on. You know, we have one day of rest and then we hop straight into the uh, Carabao Cup uh fourth round and we don't have an easy fixture we go we, we're, we're up against chelsea uh this fixture has a uh very important place uh in my personal relationship uh and so we have uh i didn't i didn't bring it in here but we have um my my girlfriend's a chelsea fan she got a boot uh it's gonna we're gonna get it engraved it's a das boot and uh, whoever wins it gets to keep the boot, and the loser of the match has to fill up the boot with whatever I want. So I guess Tottenham won, whatever I would like. So that could be whiskey, it could be beer, it could be anything that I want. She has to fill it up, and then the next time we play, the boot comes back out up for grabs. That is is awesome. So this game, uh, Jose Mourinho talked about it on Monday, saying, don't expect much. Uh, I think all three of us thought, shit, here we go. It's going to be an, an under-23 lineup, right? We're going to see uh, maybe a Juan Foyth. Uh, maybe Danny Rhodes gets number 99, and he gets to start at left back. Uh, we weren't really sure what to expect. Uh, let's talk about lineups when it came out Tuesday afternoon. I was pumped, A, because I had a bet on this, uh, and then B, because it's fucking Chelsea. And honestly, there is not a club I hate more in the Premier League than Chelsea. Um, because Arsenal's kind of like meh the past four years, so uh, I was pumped because yes, we weren't ha- we didn't see our strike we didn't see our our, sh- our star power strikers and attackers, <clears throat> but it was much stronger than I think anyone anticipated. Uh, Austin, what did you think about this lineup when it rolled out? Um, you know, we start we play we essentially play five at the back, two very aggressive uh, uh, fullbacks that get to push up the pitch, um, and then we really don't have a striker. I think Lamelo is kind of playing false nine. We're just kind of like get in where you fit in when it comes to those uh, those guys up top. Um, what were your thoughts on this? So you know, I think I think I was kind of fifty fifty. I couldn't decide if before the game if Jose was actually bluffing and was actually going to put out a fairly strong lineup, or if he was just going to put out a mixture of reserves. And I think Chris actually called that he thought Jose was bluffing. Yeah. I really liked this because it it did a did a couple of things obviously right like it 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 rested uh, Kane um, but it gave it gave a debut to Sergio to Reggie 
it, we started Loris in goal, which I didn't see that coming. I know I know that Hart had played on Thursday, but I didn't see. I, I figured Hart was going to play. So starting Loris, I think, was the biggest indication that he was actually taking it seriously. He started our club captain, and Tongi played. Like, that midfield three is a weird midfield three of Tongi, Sissoko, and Jetson. I don't know if we'll ever see that again. But, uh, I mean, I was pumped because we had some we had some great players on there. And anytime Lamella is playing in a derby, he has one or two blinder matches a season. And I had this feeling. I was like, Lamella is going to show up today, man. He's going to run his ass off, even if he has mismatched boots. Yeah. Um, Chris, what did you think when you saw that Jetson Fernandez was going to be in a midfield pairing with Tenge and Dombele and Musa Sissoko? thought we're resting someone uh that's that was my first thought we're resting players and jetson's gonna start and we'll see what we get from him um and here's the thing jetson's not a bad player he's just not the best midfielder we have it's not that he's terrible i think our midfield is that good yeah and he um, had a great chance to, to put us level in the first half yeah and he played well very unlucky very unlucky he, he played very well um i looked at this lineup and this is when it really dawned on me that Jose Mourinho is our coach. This was the moment where it really kicked in. Jose Mourinho is the coach of Tottenham. He is going to, this is absolute shithousery. This is, he's going to start just playing all sorts of mind games with everybody he runs up. You never know what you're going to see. Like, we talked about it on the last pod that he is the master of changing his lineup from game to game, changing his strategy from game to game. And that's what we just watched against Chelsea. He played entire week. He played this whole thing up. I, this We've got to rest players. I don't know. I'm, I'm without Sonny now. I have no attacking options. This is going to be, you know, we'll get what we get, and I can't really. What he was doing? He was blaming the F.A., yeah, he's blaming the FA. He was blaming UEFA. He was, oh, this is going to be awful. I'm not expecting much from this, and I have to prioritize the Europa League. All the while, he's probably behind closed doors telling Lamella and Bergvine, I trust you guys. You're going to go out. You're going to play your game. You're going to attack like I know you can. I'm going to build a good lineup behind you. You've got Reggie here who's ready to get into the attack, so Bergvine was able to drift into the middle and actually play as the striker. Like, he built the team up in such a way that they looked good. They looked like a team that had been, and, and um, yes, there were some shaky moments, but they looked like a team that had been playing well together and had been drilled into the idea of this is how we're going to play. This is how we can win this match. And lo and behold, here we go. Yeah, awesome. That game, I think, gave you a, a really, really good impression of the the level of depth that we have right now. Yeah, awesome. What? How surprised were you to see Jeff at Tanganga getting a start when he hasn't played a single minute? You know, like oh my god, that was that was crazy. Like he hadn't been mentioned in any press conference as he. You know, he's back in training. He's getting close. Like well, that was like. Well, we saw him Sunday sitting in front of Bale, right? Like the, yeah. the camera pan, pan to like Gareth Bale. There was no Tanganga. There was no indication he had come back into training even. We kept hearing, guy, ah, he's a couple weeks away. Yeah, he's a couple weeks away. And all of a sudden, he's starting. And not just starting, but starting in a match against Chelsea. And Chelsea went for it. They they had a strong lineup. That was crazy. But, you know, I, 
I mentioned Lamella starting gave me some confidence for some weird reason. I feel like I don't think Jose Mourinho has ever had a more Mourinho of a role player in his squad than than Eric Lamella. I feel like Eric Lamella is the most Jose Mourinho role player. I think he had been telling him all week, you are going to run every inch of that pitch. You're going to nip at everyone's heels. You're going to slide tackle from behind. You're going to tell the referee, I didn't foul him every time you stand up. <laughs> and you are not going to give them a minute of rest. And that's exactly what it did. And he scored the goal. Yeah. I could not. I mean, And he scored a pin. I he mean, did. Lamella has one or two matches a year where he's the clear man of the match, and you're like, oh, my God, can you beat this guy every match? Um, and he happened to have that game on Tuesday. Yeah. So, Chris, do you think that, you know, this is something I've been thinking about since this, this and this is only Thursday, so since Tuesday after the match. Do you think that maybe this is our best formation? Three, three center backs, two attacking uh, fullbacks. And then a mixture of uh, obviously not maybe this 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 lineup, but this formation. Does this give us the most freedom uh, to yeah, be able to utilize our fullbacks that we have? It's uh, not and, the and, formation that it's not the lineup that I think Jose eventually wants to get to, but I think it is the formation that I think he wants to base everything around, which is why I think we're going for another center back. Right, because we we I mean we've already got um, Dyer, Sanchez, Tanganga, Alderweireld, Davies can play as an auxiliary center back. We have no idea what's happening with Foyth or CCV just think, yet. Yeah, I think Foyth's probably on his way out. Foyth's uh, probably headed out on loan, but they're they're trying to bring in another center back. So he wants to be well stocked on quality center backs, and a third one is necessary. Another center back coming in, right? So. Now, and I think a lot of that may have changed when he was able to get his hands on Reggie because Reggie is a solid wing back. Um, Davies is definitely not that. Um, <laughs> uh, cheers but, to that. But I mean, I think that became the moment where he was like, there's going to be times where we're going to have this three at the back system where I can use Serge and I can use him to his best. I can use Reggie and I can use him to his best without sacrificing. You know, when you have Serge on, you sacrifice the attacking left back because he becomes the auxiliary center back to let Serge get forward. If you have three at the back, then you can let Reggie or whoever is on that left side roam more and still have Serge going. But I think this is the formation that he eventually wants to get to. And once we get out of this mess of, of games that we're in, I think this is where more often than not we're going to land. Yeah, Austin, I'm going to get to you in one second. But here's what I would like to say. Here is what this lineup showed me. It showed me that finally this, like, this is depth. This is depth. Weird. You look at this squad that we put out, and minus Jetson Fernandez, who I think a lot of question marks are surrounding, and he played a great game. But it's like, holy shit. This is depth. Yes, we don't have a striker, but we're bringing a striker in. We'll talk about that in a second. But you have Stevie B. You have Lamella. I think Serge, Serge could have been man of the match. He was great on the right-hand side. So, uh, Regulon could have been man of the match. I think he was man of the match um, for, for some people. Um, there, Ndombele played 90 minutes. Again, Austin, like you said, let's talk about Ndombele playing 90 minutes again. Um, Sissoko. I mean, this is the depth. We didn't have Winks. We didn't have Lo Celso. We didn't have Sun. Kane came off the bench. Bale's not even fit yet. We're about to bring another striker in. I mean, the depth that we have been able to create in 12 months is insane. 
Austin, what are your thoughts on the depth and also this this lineup, this formation that we we came out on Tuesday? You know, I think that the first of all with the back three, I think this is the formation he he foresees as our our big team breaker. When we're going up against really quality attacking, like really quality attacking, this is the way we're going to be able to defend but still have attacking ability going forward. There's no reason to play this formation against Newcastle or against or against Leeds who are going to have the pitch wide open. I, I disagree. Against, I disagree. But what, well, 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 so what, but what I'm saying is, is that it, it gives us the ability to have width from our fullbacks and allow our central players to play centrally, right? Um, and maybe there's certain teams that are going to open the game up against us like a, a Liverpool, right? Maybe we don't need a back three against Liverpool. But against teams like like the Chelsea on Tuesday, it was the perfect system. And 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 when you talk about depth, Colin, think about if we're playing that system, right? And we have a midfield three, not of the three we played against Chelsea, but we have Hoybeer, Lacelso, and Ndombele, right? Lacelso or Ndombele can be the one going forward and getting into those attacking roles. They can they can switch off. And then you have Kane and Son up top. You have Kane and Bale up top. You have Son and Bale up top. You have you have Bergwijn, Lamella, Lucas. All those players can play in those two. We have five quality players, three Vinicius. of which are world class. Vinicius, Vinicius, yeah. Vinicius. But we whatever. have three world class players in Kane, Son, and Bale who can all play those top two positions. Yeah, we've got two great world, uh, wing backs. How, if how did Austin? How did this happen in twelve months? Do you Jose realize Brina. if you look what our squad like twelve months ago? We we rolled out the same. We're not even talking about Delhi Ali. Delhi's not. Even, we're not even talking about Delhi. That's uh, the crazy part. That midfield three. He would look fantastic in a back three with being in that midfield trio where he can just get forward and play with Ndombele or Lacelso or Winks or Hoybier behind him. Yeah. I mean, I, it, I so uh, where I I, I want to move. I don't want to spend too much more time on this, but I would like to say that I disagree in the sense that I think. This three at the back, the best soccer I've seen Spurs play was when Rose and Walker were bombing at the pitch and gave that freedom to do so with three at the back with Toby, Bertong, and uh, Dyer. Um, now, hold on. Give me one second. I think that, yes, it makes you feel like you don't have as much attacking, but if you have the attacking fullbacks, then you have even more uh, freedom on those wings. And right now, what we're desperately, Dawson, what you're desperately begging for Lucas to do is to stay wide, to create that depth, that that width. And what we can do now with those fullbacks being allowed to do that uh, creates that width and creates that opportunity. But Chris, what like what you said best is this gives Mourinho the ability to change this from a week to week basis. So teams can't, you know, teams in, at the end of Pochettino are like, here's what he's going to do. This is who he's going to line up with. Here's who he's going to start. There's no surprise. It was the same thing in and out. Now Mourinho has the depth to be like, nah, like you have no idea what I'm going to do. You have no idea who I'm going to play in what position. You, Go ahead, Chris. you say that, but like you were saying, the, some of the best attacking football we played was those years when um, the back three was Toby, um, Jan, and Dyer with Rose and Walker on the outside. But at those, that time, that's when Dyer had transferred to becoming a central defensive mid and he just yeah, dropped back and, so we would, and we had Dembele in the team <laughs> yeah and we would be able to transfer between the three five two and the four, four two, two three, three one, one. Yeah. we would transfer fluidly back and forth between the two and that's when Dembele like you said came in because he was able to be that that all encompassing ball winning 
just masterful midfielder that he was a one-man wrecking crew. Yeah, which is we what we hope like, Ndombele can be. Yeah. Right? My, one, my one caution about the back three system is when we're playing teams, like when we played against Newcastle, we talked about how we dominated the ball and they sat behind the ball. I would much rather have Tanganga off the pitch or Sanchez or Dyer off the pitch and have someone like Bale or someone like Sun having that third world-class attacker, having the third yeah, option that, that can win you and score you a goal from anywhere, especially when teams are sitting behind the ball. Now, like what you said against Leeds, who are going to score goals and are going to play open, yeah, play at the back three so you stay compact and you have your you have your width, you have your attacking ability. But against teams that are going to sit deep, that 4-3-3 that we're starting to deploy more, like what we did today, if we want to move on um, to McAbee, I, I think the 4-3-3 is starting to look better and better as well. Yeah, before it's going to be nine to eight, by the way, it's going to be an absolute shit house. No defense played. If like Leeds scores goal eight goals. No, that will be the one game that Leeds doesn't score a goal. Mourinho's going to like game plan for it for weeks and be like, they are not scoring. Leeds, Leeds, the Leeds game will be like Southampton or Mourinho's just going to expose the shit out of them because you can't, you can't do that against uh, us. And they Do-us- did it against Liverpool, but. I think Liverpool took it for granted. So, a few questions I want to go on before we move on. Is uh, is Sergio Reguilon going to be the best left back that we have seen in the past decade? Austin. 16-17 Rose was pretty fantastic. I have that kit for a reason. I mean, he was – he and, and, and he encompassed the passion of the club. Like the, Every tackle he went into, you could tell he was leaving nothing out of it. Now, in the one appearance we saw with Sergio – I really think he showed a lot of passion, a lot of determination, but we've only seen one start from him, right? Chris. I, if, I had, if, I had to, if I had to give a prediction right now, yes or no, I think he will surpass the one or two seasons that Rose was, was top. Well, we might only have him for two because he was a buyback. Chris, is, um, does Ben Davies, when, when the, we're not playing three matches a week, does Ben Davies find his spot on the bench? On the bench? On the bench. Yes. Really? Yeah. If we're like, uh, I, he, he still has a place in the team. Yeah, and yeah. But I, like, I, I'm saying, like, a spot on the bench, and you have to realize how deep our bench is and who's going to be on that bench, right? If we have seven players on the bench, seven minuses, this this you is take heart. Again, this is, we talked about this the last time. We talked about um, before Reggie came in because Reggie was completely an accident. This is not a transfer that the, that the club was thinking was going to happen. The game plan here was that the left back spot would be Davies and Sirkin. And I think the long term plan by the end of the season, Sirkin was going to be your starting left back for the next decade. And it was not going to have, and Davies was going to fade to being the backup slash he can kind of play center back. That plan has changed now because you now have a 20, what's Reggie, 20, 23, 23. Yeah. So yeah, now you have a 23 year old center back who, yes, there's the buyback from, um, from, from Real Madrid, but that, that buyback number one is very expensive. It's not going to be cheap. Now it's cheap for Madrid, I'm guessing, but there's also a lot of price matching and things that go into that. that you have to. It's, it's, uh, Regulon's choice. Yes, he has a choice. So there's that to play into it. So now you have the option to loan out Sirkin and keep Davies as your backup. The thing that plays for Davies' favor is, yes, he can play left back and he can play center back. Now you have Tanganga, who can also play left back, right back, center back. If Tanganga continues to, or 
yeah, Jeffett continues to improve in the way that he is right now, no, Davies won't be on the bench. He's a short-term fix for a long-term problem. Okay, so Chris, I'm going to speed this up because I want to ask you, give okay. me a bench <laughs> of, then we're going to put Joe Hart. So give me six other players that are on your bench if Regulon is starting, Chris. Who, how does oh, Davies, I don't see how Davies makes that bench. And I'll go first, right? Because I'm going to put Kane Sunbale, I'm going to put Hoiberg, uh, and Dombele Lo Celso, and I'm going to put um, uh, Regulon, uh, Dyer, uh, Sanchez, just because it feels like Mourinho loves those two, and then Doherty. So then my bench is going to consist of two defenders here. It's going to be uh, Alderweireld, and then it's going to be uh, Arie. Um, and then I'm going to look at my midfielders. You're going to have uh, Winks probably on that bench, uh, and then a mixture of Lamella, Stevie B. Um, uh, who am I forgetting? Lamella, Stevie B, Lucas. Uh, we just have sort of a backup striker. Um, Sissoko. So I, so you're going to have two defenders, I think. I think we can all agree that you're going to have max two defenders on our bench. Is Davies one of those two defenders? Because you just, well, I didn't even mention Tanganga. So who, where does he fit in? Does he take Aria's spot? Is Tanganga not going to find the bench? Is it going to be Davies and Alderweireld that are on the bench as their defenders? I think it, it's going to rotate on who, <coughs> excuse me, on who we're playing. And also, um, Man, you're you're right. I mean, this I guess this is the problem with depth, and I, this could be. This, yeah. We could have worse problems. Than, That's true. This is a good problem to have. Yeah, this is a good problem to have. Um, but yeah, I mean, you look down the line, it's hard to to find a spot hard, for Davies. Yeah. It's hard to find us. You're right. It's hard to find a spot on here for him because, like, I'm looking at my lineup that I built uh, like a couple of weeks ago when I when we first started doing this, and I didn't even have Bale on here. Bale pushes him, pushes Lucas down to a bench spot, which takes up one spot. Then, yeah, you're right. You got Hart. Um, Aldevarad is, if he's not starting, is going to make the bench every time. Um, that I means Dyer Sanchez. And I didn't even say Delhi either, by the way. Yeah. He looked great today when he came on. And he and, looked like he determined. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure we'll get to that at some point. But, yeah, once you add in Arya, once you add in, you know, Sanchez or Dyer, which one of them is on the bench, Aldevarad, I it's hard to put him on there. Yeah. Do I think he's... I guess what I'm thinking is he's not going to get elbowed out of the squad. Either. I agree. I agree. He will still get time in the Cups. And, and Austin, still go gonna, There's still a place for him. but There yeah. is. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be sold. I think I think at the end of this year, if I have the way that I want those things... They will like, reassess. In my dream world, <laughs> in my dream world, Davies is gone. Serkin's a backup. Regulon's a starter next year. Uh, Austin, go ahead. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I really think that Tinganga and Toby will be the first choice bench spots because Tinganga can play anywhere across the back line, and Toby is Toby. But Wink, or, but 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 uh, Davies could maybe take one of their two spots given something happening. Picture yeah, injuries are going to happen, right? But like, Tinganga and Toby are definitely ahead of him on the bench, and then and then you'll have one of Winks or Sissoko on the bench. Yeah, and then you'll have two out of the group of four, which is Lamella, Bergwijn, Lucas, Deli. You pick two of them. And then you'll have our backup striker there yeah. if he's fit. Because he's going to want – I mean, apparently Venetius is someone that Jose earmarked a while ago. Yeah. And he's and he's something different. We'll talk about him later. But he's going to be on the bench as as the striker option. So, God, we have so much depth. 
yeah. where how did this happen colin to get back yeah. to your initial we, question we, no idea uh that's just a question i want to ask one more question about this is the care about cup now a priority uh oh, chris austin is this a priority uh for us now that we've seen that we are uh we're in the quarterfinals we're playing against stoke which most would say that would be the we had the best draw i think uh brentford uh is class they smashed fulham today uh, we don't want to go up against Newcastle again, although I would have taken either one of those. But now we see Everton facing off against United. There goes one of the two, um, two uh, you know, pretty good Premier League teams. And then we see City and Arsenal facing off. Hopefully Arsenal can knock off City um, because City does take this cup pretty serious. Do we feel like this is something is now a priority for us? Or if it comes down to fixture congestion, do you think that he will uh, choose a Europa League group stage game over this uh, in December? This is, this is the quarterfinals, yeah? Yeah, is, quarterfinals. So this is this is now a priority. Like it's you're you're close two enough games now. From Wembley. Yeah, you're close enough now to where this is a potential first bit of silverware. And I think Jose was one of the first coaches to say, even when Pochettino was here, if that Tottenham team gets their hands on a piece of silverware, look out because yeah. they're going to learn what it takes to win silverware. And Jose is assembling a team of depth that is capable of winning silverware. That's what he came for. So I think at this point, he's looking at it and thinking, no, I'm in the quarterfinals of a cup. I'm I'm going all in. I'm going to try and win this thing because I'm this close. And if I can say that I won silverware, at least with this league cup, I've won something here. And and that can be the the stepping point to the next things we have to do. So I think, yes, it's a, it's definitely a priority. Yeah. Awesome. Real quick. Uh, no, I, I agree because I mean we play one game against Oak in December, and then the the, the semifinals a one leg this year, not two leg. Yeah, it's all one uh, leg. In January, um, give me fact, give me the winner of Brentford versus Newcastle for the semifinals. Well, well <laughs> Brentford think, think, think back to fourteen fifteen, Pochettino's first year. We go to the League Cup final against Chelsea, and we never really look like we have a chance of winning that we match. Played Son if, that, if that goes different. No, we played some against against Chelsea in the semi FA Cup semifinal a couple of years later. Oh, okay. um, we had Mason and Ventola playing uh, center midfield. Oh yeah, uh, yes. the Cup final. Class and field. If we win that final God, somehow, things have changed. If we win that final somehow, how different is that era? Right? Like my my point is that the Mourinho may not really care about the the Carabao Cup generally, but. In his first full season, being able to middle of the season to teach this team who nobody has won anything before he brought in Joe Hart. I mean, basically, Hugo is a world cup. Hugo won the world cup. Yes, absolutely. But not the club level. I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They lift a trophy in January. Watch out for the second half of our season, right? So he absolutely he's going to take this seriously. We we could beat we could beat Stoke with a team we just put out against Chelsea, right? Yeah. We have so much depth. There's no excuse for us not getting to that semifinal, and I don't care who we play. Can we do it? Just, just give it to us. Also, on a cold night if in we, December. If we win a league cup, if we win a cup in Jose's first season in charge, after all the shit talking that people have done about him, we will. No one will ever shut him up. Well, we and watch never... out how good we're going to get. Jose, when yeah. he's confident, that's the best version of Jose. He when he's going to Costa Rica. All right, well, real quick, then we got to move on. Um, I want to ask you both this question. I'm going to give you five, five to ten seconds to answer. Austin, can you take a poop faster than Dyer? No. No. Chris? Absolutely. 
<laughs> no chance. I have no idea that Dyer that was off the pitch. That must have been a clean single wiper or something. And the fact that by the time, I think maybe 10, 15 seconds after Mourinho chased after him, he was already back out. And first of all... Hold on, know, real quick. Real yeah. quick. Just very quick. Reddit comment of the year for Arcoys, my, my submission is, someone posted something about that, and the top comment was, Jose, Jose running down the tunnel yelling at Dyer, Fucking hell, man, you've got to push. <laughs> I'm sure they have a bidet in there or something to help them clean it up faster. I thought that was, you know, that was insane. I had no idea what ha- was happening. I saw Mourinho running down the tunnel. I was like, shit, he's already given up. It was like eight minutes left. I was cussing. Uh, my girlfriend was laughing. And then I realized that, oh, he's chasing after a player. And then I was like, oh, dire. I thought he had to pee. But, like, if you had to pee, you just pee yourself. Well, I think I think you would just pee your pants. I mean, that's no, what I would that's, do. No, but, no, no. <laughs> so uh let's move on today we played a you know i'm not going to even try to pronounce this uh maccabi haifa maccabi haifa um here we are again right kane scores in the first three minutes uh i felt confident I was like we're gonna put this to bed to bed to- it was such an yeah. easy goal too it was a very easy goal and and to to give them a little bit of credit chris they did not uh yeah davis you know that's the thing with depth right is davies never felt like there was a challenge no one behind him to push him and that's what we're going to start seeing is that in these positions, you know, that's what Delhi. When Delhi gets his time to play, now you have to fucking play. Yep. There's no like pilly, like dilly padding around. You'll get left out of a squad for two to three games. Yes. And no this one was the lesson out of a that was meant to be taught. Yeah. And, he's and so learning it. <laughs> what we saw today from Davies and his two assists, and, and, and in general, our team is now realizing maybe I don't get to play for another week or two. So I better take. The time I get today, Kane. very serious. Lester Kane. Well, maybe not. We have a striker coming in. Um, so yeah, I'm just joking. Okay. Everyone knows I'm joking. Come not on, come on, come kidding. on. Same with Loris. Everyone knows it. A big game. It's going to be Loris and Kane. So we score quickly. I think every, I thought, great. This, let's get this over with by halftime. Make some subs. And then they score that wonder goal. Uh, <laughs> shit. Here we go again. Poor Joe Hart picking up the ball from the back of his net. Can we keep Joe a clean sheet this season, Hart. Chris? Can we keep a clean sheet? Yes. Is it going to happen on Sunday? We, no. Yes. <laughs> no, it's so, not going to happen on Sunday. No. It, it will happen, but no, it's not going to happen on Sunday. Um, that, I mean, nobody saves that goal today. No, that first that goal. No, no keeper gets to that. Joe Hart made a valiant effort. He, he reached, he jumped, he moved. Um, and that, as a keeper, is hard enough. So, but that that goal was, and even the the player who scored it, whose name I don't know, and was you know, Cherry? this is Cherie? is something Cherry. like that. Okay, that dude had a, a a shot from distance. But I was like, can we sign this dude just to yeah. take shots, like bring him in for the last ten minutes? And he just, you know, I'm sure he's free essentially for Tottenham money, and you know, like oh yeah, for they, their yeah, if they wanted him, he he yeah, can a Yiddo help out a Yiddo essentially? I mean, the greatest sense of that'd be the greatest thing to ever happen. Rose, give him Rose for him. Yeah. So yeah. then they, they, they tied up. I. They were playing so open; it was only a matter of time before we we blew this game out of uh, right. out out of reach for them. And then we were up four one at halftime. I think you know in the group chat I'm saying you know please pull Kane off at half. Um, I didn't get to watch too much of the second half. We were up four one. I, I I watched until it was five to two. Uh, Austin, let's talk about this handball. Um, this handball that I saw today reminded me of the handball against uh, Lasalle's that did not get called. Darnie's arm was against his body. It hits his arm. 
they still well, call it handball. Actually, that, I didn't see the, it live. So if the one they called against Maccabee was more like the LaSalle's. He brought his arm into his body, but it hit his hand as his hand was away from his body. So the one that we got a penalty for is actually much more like LaSalle's. I thought that no one should ever call the one that happened to Darty. His arm was pressed against his body. I mean, it, if VAR had been in use, it would not have stood. Uh, there's no way. It, 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 there's there's no there's no way that it would have stood. Yeah. And Darty now has had two ridiculous handballs called against him, um, and we've had three in like four matches. Uh, Chris, Darty or Aria? Uh, Darty. Uh, that's not even a question. That's uh, what? <laughs> no, it's, I, I it's was really impressed with the way RA played on Tuesday. No, I, and I here's the thing. Um, and I'm and not I, I'm not blaming Darty for this handball at all no, by, by no. any means. I, I'm not or the I, handball against like, uh, Southampton. If we're thinking yeah. about this in general terms of who to pick for a squad week in week out, it's going to be Darty. But at the same time, when in regards to Serge. It makes me think back to when Davies first arrived at Spurs and Rose was the only left back. And Rose had become super comfortable with being the only left back in the team. He knew he had to be chosen every week. He was playing week in and he got lazy. Davies shows up and we're all super excited about Ben Davies showing up because he's a true left back. And oh, we all is. of a sudden... You got, a, you got a mouse in your pocket? I was never excited about Ben Davies. No, <laughs> at the time, you should have been yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's just one of those things where all of a sudden, this other player, this other Danny Rose showed started showing up for games that we were like, what the hell? Who's this guy? Where's this Rose been? And for a, a good half a season, Rose was playing out of his mind because he had competition for his spot. And that's what competition does for teams, and it's something we've been missing for a while. Yeah. So I think that Darty coming in was the best thing that could happen to Serge. It will force him to become a better right back, and it will force it, it just makes it better for our team, depth wise. I love Serge RA, and I do not want to lose Serge RA. I love his passion. I love and how excited he gets about games. He doesn't stop love, running. Yeah. He's a he's a workhorse. He gets at the pit. I mean, I and nothing against Darty, and I'm sure that. But for me, if you're asking me to pick who's starting on, on Sunday, I would choose R.A. Um, well, so Serge just makes dumb so, mistakes. That's well, his only issue. You know, I actually don't think Serge makes that many dumb mistakes. I think he, he gets blamed for a lot of mistakes because he has so much effort and he has such an engine. He finds himself in positions challenging. He's making up for other people there. not being there. Exactly. And if, he, if he didn't, if he wasn't there, then the goal probably happens anyways or, or something else happens. But I, the effort. But yes, it granted, Chris. It is a dumb mistake, but the mistakes that are he's making, it's because effort. it's the effort that he's putting in. And so, I want to remind you of uh, I think he wandered into playing central attacking midfield. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. Darty is definitely that's, the better. He got pushed up there, didn't he? <laughs> didn't Reno play him there? No, he just wandered in and was playing central attacking midfield and didn't get back. And we, I think somebody scored a goal on him. I thought he of... got pushed up there at one game. No, he's uh, just. I, I yeah. think I think Ori is a, a fantastic like rotation for Darty because Darty can't play every match, but Darty's in product I think is much better. Um, but I, you know, honestly, we may see Surge just take a huge step up in consistency and I would love it because I also I'm a huge Serge Aria fan yeah. and he connects really well with the midfield I mean him and Sissoko and some other players have had a really good chemistry 
And he, um, he's I just haven't seen it. Moments. I haven't seen it yet from Darty. Other than like the Everton game when he had that, that nice play with Kane, I haven't seen the attacking side of Darty's game. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is what I like. What and you see from Darty is more consistency. Consistency is a right back. But yeah. what you see from Serge is that exciting explosiveness. When Serge gets on the ball, he's not a right back. He's a right wing. Yeah. He becomes a right wing. He can play right, who can play and get back as a right back because he's just that athletic. Like yeah. well, he's, I, I would also add that Darty's more dynamic. He can cut, he can drift inside, he can get into the box. He Serge has a great leap on him and wins headers, but Doherty's a big, tall dude and, and is strong in the air as well. Um, Doherty's just a little bit more dynamic, I think. He has more facets to his game. Serge is all about power, pace getting to the byline. He doesn't really cut inside or underlap very much. It gives you two different players. Yeah, it gives you two different players, and that's yeah. great. That is fantastic to have that. Sorry, I got a sidetrack. I got a sidetrack. What's that? Andros Townsend is a right back? Is that what, uh, we're, what I'm hearing? He's a way better than Andros Townsend. Come on, man. <laughs> uh, I got a sidetrack. Let's move on. Uh, Kane Hattrick um, was part of that. He just wanted to stick stick, stick on, the, on the pitch for that comment that the – uh, Maccabee Haifa was that who made that comment on their team? Was it someone on their team? Ben Afabi, Ben Afabi, was that their striker? Was, he was one of their... the guys taking a bunch of pot shots from long, but not putting him on target. Okay, was he, was he just like determined to get his hat trick? I didn't see, I saw the PK, I didn't see the last two goals, so I didn't see what was Kane's last goal. Was his hat trick goal a nice goal, or was it a tap in, or what was it, Austin? It, uh, man, there's so so many goals today. It was his hat trick goal, it was a 74th yeah. minute. I think it was just a it was just a, a tap in from what I can remember, wasn't it? Chris, did you yeah. see it? Oh no, he he he, he chipped it over. No, Los Celso's was the one who chipped it over the keeper. It was none of our goals. Uh, like we didn't have any like spectacular goals. Everything was just kind of a run of play. It ran down and goal scored. Uh, from what I remember, I okay, yeah. So no, nothing, nothing, nothing worth mentioning. But hat trick from Harry Kane. Did he play too long, Chris? You think that? I mean, I I wanted him to be subbed at halftime. I I, I was on that same boat, and I think if we it's just risky. It's risky, right? If we bring in another striker well before that, uh, well before this game, and I think yeah, at that point, I was hoping you know you rotate around, bring on one of the the mini wingers that we have, let them go in, and then move over like a Bergvine to playing up top and and play him as like a false nine or something and and just get Kane. It doesn't matter how it happened. Just get him off the pitch and let him rest because yeah. he's obviously going to play on Sunday. So, yeah. Um, oh, the, uh, one other yeah. thing before we, if, especially if we're going to move on to the next game. No, we're just not so everybody knows, since we're talking all stateside Spurs, uh, the um, keeper for Maccabi is American. Yep. Oh. Cohen. Josh Cohen. It's Joshua Cohen is his name played for like the Phoenix rising and like Sacramento Republic and the uh, lower division, like just below MLS. Not great, but yes, he's an American. And uh, yeah, that's just, that's pretty cool. (laughs) Uh, I was right. By the way, Kane's goal, Kane's third goal was a chip over the keeper from a just horrible defending easy through ball to him. And he just chipped it right over the keeper. Yeah, he's uh he is a he is a American keeper. He's twenty eight years old. So yeah, Phoenix Rising, and he was Sacramento Republic FC. Today. Um poor guy got a 
got seven goals. He had to pick the ball from open net seven times. Uh, I did not watch enough of the second half to talk about Delhi, but I do want to talk about Delhi. Who wants to take this? Austin. I saw too many people saying, oh, Delhi was playing in the second half because he's such an easy target now. Delhi looked like the old Delhi. The second he came on the pitch, if you remember the first two seasons he was at Spurs, every time the ball came to him, it was one touch balls out of his feet. Or it was if it was in transition, he was dribbling forward. But he was moving the ball fast. He was moving it quickly. He was trying, uh, attacking with flair. The penalty came from him nutmegging a defender with a back heel in their box. Like he he gets the defender with – he turns his back to the defender, turns his body and flicks a back heel through the defender's legs and forces him to bring him down. And then he picks up the ball and says, nope, I got the spot kick. It's mine because Kane was off the pitch. He goes, this is mine. And then he walked up nonchalantly and just slotted it home. I mean, it. Delhi's confidence looked like it was back. He looked like he had a point to prove, and he's like, "This is the perfect farm team to to make it happen." I don't know what's going to happen with Delhi, but if that Delhi shows up, God help the league with the other attacking depth we have. I mean, I'm being serious. Chris, do you uh, do you get a chance to watch the full second half, or are you kind of working because it was over essentially? Working, but still had it on and was watching and just kind of tracking things. And did anything stand out from Delhi's performance in the second half? Other than that, I mean, I, I watched the uh, the penalty that he that he uh, created. Essentially, that was beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's typical Delhi, right? Like you think you have me in one place, no, through your through your legs, and here I am. It was a little. There was a little spark of the the old Delhi that we all kind of are like. That's that's who I wanted to see. That's who I've been looking for this entire time. Um, it it makes you wonder. If a lot of this talk and stuff around him and what his future is and where the club sees him makes you think, like, has this been a big ploy to motivate him in some way, shape or form? We talked about this last time. He 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 never really had to work for his spot. He was always a Pochettino favorite. Always, always a Pochettino pick. He was he was if he wasn't first choice or first name on the team sheet, he was second or third. Um so he'd never been in a position where he'd had to actually work for that position. And now there's depth, there's competition for places. There's, and it makes you wonder if at some point he sat down with Mourinho and had a discussion and Mourinho was like, look, man, I don't, I don't have to play you every game. You have to show me that you want to play every game. And if you don't want to show me, I'll ship you out. It's not that big of a deal. I like you. I'll keep you here. You know, Mourinho is very big on him. Mourinho loves him. Yeah. But it's one of those things where you can't let one player just run a locker room. And yeah. just, you, you just can't do it. It's just not a thing. Austin, go ahead. You say something? Yeah, I, I was going to say that I, I subscribed to the theory that last season, Tongi and Dombele was, was Mourinho's project. And was telling him, like, hey, everyone here knows you have the talent. But until I see the work ethic, until I see the commitment... I can't play you because I'm playing right now. We're at, we're at a point where I'm playing players that are showing the commitment, right? Um, and this season with Delhi, Chris, I think you're you're absolutely right. He's 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 telling him, listen, you're used to being a big fish in a little pond. You saw Spurs as the biggest of the small clubs, and you were this big personality, and you were getting picked every match. And you're not a big fish. You you are a normal fish at a big pond. This is a big club with big ambitions. And to earn your spot amongst all these great attacking players, you have to show you're a superstar. It's not just you being good 
you have to be great to get into the starting lineup. And we've added Bale. Lucas is a, is a very handy player. I know some people have their feelings for him. Steven Bergwine is just as big of a talent in my mind at this at similar age, actually a little bit younger, has a ceiling similar to Delhi's. We have one of the best number nines in the world in Harry Kane. I think he told Delhi, like, listen, you've got to forget Lame- about I mean, Lamella, and who Lamella? puts 110% effort every time he steps on that yeah. pitch. I think, I think he told Delhi, like, listen, you have this, ver- this vision of the club that you came into, and that's not where the club is now. This is a big club. I'm creating something here that is special. And if you want to get on board, I'm all for it. But you've got to show that you are a superstar, that you're not just this entitled player. And Delhi, I hope, raises the task because if he does, watch out. Can you imagine if we have a 20 goal a season, Delhi, like we had a few seasons ago in this squad? No, I think here's the thing that I think about, right? If Delhi can get back to 2017, 2018, or 2016, 2017, Delhi, then. Both those seasons that, were good. 16, 17 was the best one, but both those yeah. seasons were good. Then I'm thinking, oh shit. Who is going to get left out? Is it going to be Lo Celso and Dombele? Like, Son? Bale? Someone's got to get left out because that deli was class. I mean, right? That deli, that deli was unplayable. No one knew how to, knew how to mark him. I mean, he was unplayable. Um, yeah, I mean, if we get the 16, 17, 17, 18 deli back that was making runs, that was popping up everywhere, that no defense knew how to answer, plus we have Sun, plus we have Kane, plus we have Bale, plus we have Ndombele, plus we have Lucelso, we're leaving a player on the bench that could start for other top six clubs, and that's the difference, right? We lost that semifinal, FA Cup semifinal in Chelsea, because they brought Hazard and Willian off the bench in the second half. Yeah. We are this close to being that club where we can bring Delhi and Bale off the bench, Delhi and Son off the bench, Delhi and Ndombele off the bench. I mean, imagine being that club. It's here. We are yeah. this close. It is here. We uh, we are actually done with fixture congestion almost. We have United coming up. Before we get to United's preview, I want to talk about the Europa League draw that is happening tomorrow. I believe it's around 7.30 our time, Central. I could be wrong. It's early in the morning. Um, it's 4.30 in India. I'm not sure the time zone difference. Anyone know? No? Great. We'll move on. What do we think is the ideal draw? I've asked you both to pull it up. We have, we're in pot one. Um, we have pot one, pot two, pot three, pot four. This is not Champions League. There's one, two, three, four. There's 12 groups here. Um, we're expecting some some team to be uh, in the middle of uh, a bumfuck nowhere that we're going to have to travel to. Uh, Austin, would you like to start? What is your ideal draw for this Europa League campaign? Well, honestly, I know a lot of people just try to pick the weakest team in each pot, but um, you know that would be Sociedad, Cluj, and, and Sofia by coefficient. But the thing with Europa League is, is what you just said. I don't want to go to Karabag. I don't want to go to Tel Aviv. I don't want to go somewhere super far away. I want normal travel, that isn't ridiculous. I mean, I would love, honestly, something like like, uh, like Young Boys in Switzerland or something like that out of Pot 2. Um, Cluj uh, in Belgium, I think, would be fine. Or, or Rangers in Scotland, I think that would be class, having a Scottish tie. And then, and then anyone in pot four, I mean, there's Lille is the team. I think you, Lille and Nice, I think the, Swiss, the, the French clubs are the ones you want to avoid. But there's Dundalk in Ireland. There's, um, 
There's Antwerp in Belgium. I think those types are the type of matchups I would really want. I mean, you want to avoid give me Don't give me like four from each pot, Austin. Give me one from each pot, and then we'll move on. All right. Okay. I'm going to say Young Boys, uh, Cluj, and, uh, and Dundalk, then, is, is what I guess what I'll throw out. I mean, really, I, have, I what I was trying to say is I have clubs I want to avoid. I can't pick when I want. There's just clubs you want to avoid. Chris? You're muted. Okay. Yeah, there, yeah, you there we go. I got it now. Um, yeah, it's it's hard to pick the ones because, like you said, you don't want to wander out into. I'll be honest with you. I mean, if, if we ended up with a group that was like, I'd take Vienna. Um, Young Boys is out of pot two. Either one of those two. Um, I'd even be okay with Hoffenheim out of pot three. It's not my favorite, but I'd take it. Um, so we'll say, let's go. We'll go Young Boys. We'll go Athens out of pot three, AEK. And um, I'll take Antwerp out of pot four. All right. I'm going to go different than each of you. I'm going Real Sociedad. I want Hoffenheim. And I want Lille. I want the toughest, one of the toughest groups possible, but all within very close travel distance. Um the reason why I say that is because we usually play up to our competition. And if we're going to play Antwerp in Belgium, we're probably going to play down to their level. And none of these teams scare me. None of them scare me. There is not a single team that I think, oh, no, we might not make it out of a group. Or we might not win the group from any of these teams in any of these pots. And so I want the best. And I think Real Sociedad is one of the lowest rating, but they're still a Spanish team in La Liga. Um, yeah, there are some better teams, but I don't want to go to Russia. Um, Young Boys is a good shout too. I think a lot of that goes back to nostalgia. Was Young Boys part of our group when uh, when Bell was with, with with us earlier? No, on? Young Boys is a team we beat in the playoff to get into the Champions League group stage. Okay. Um, um, so Red Star Belgrade is in this draw. Can we please avoid Red Star Belgrade? Can anybody? Can can we all agree? Can we avoid? Where, where are they? At? I don't see them. They're they're cre- they're cre- they're Krevnia Zvezda. Oh they, yeah. They put that their that that yeah. In, well, I'm not in Carabag. In Carabag, yeah. I don't want to go those to Carabag. Those are the teams we definitely don't want to go to. Um, but I want to stay close to to England, and I want to I want to challenge. I would like Rangers wouldn't be bad either, but I'm I'm fine with the Spanish team. We have so much depth. I want La Liga. I want Bundesliga, and then give me you know a French team or give me um, you know just don't send me to to don't send me to nowhere. Don't don't send me to this. What's that? Had uh, would some of these teams have frightened you a little bit more before our transfer business? Oh, 100%. Like, like some of these teams, if I'm looking at them and I, I'm not seeing the the amount of business we've done, some of these teams would scare the shit out of me. Like I, I, I got and they see Milan in the draw. I would oh, shit, yeah. Milan, I would, but I, I know that's Mal- where we're get. I would love Milan in pot three. I would love Milan or Hoffenheim in pot three. I want I want to be challenged in these group stages. I mean, AC Milan right now is a dumpster fire of a team, but uh, yeah, I, I general, give me Mourinho versus Ibrahimovic. Give well, it to me. My, my general draw want is one spotlight game, like when we had Real Madrid in our group. One spotlight team that we have to play twice because that's fun to watch. 
one mid-grade team that is decent, that isn't a huge travel, and then give me an easy one. Give me one team that I can guarantee six points out of because it makes me feel better. That's yeah. and that's what we'll get. Like, there's You're no going way to Milan, Sociedad, and then like, like Poznan or something. Lille? Or like, because we get Lille and Nice are both in pot four, you know, like those are French yeah. teams in, in, in Ligue 1. So, I mean, we, I, I do not want six games that I'm going into like, good God, I hope we win this. I want at least two of them where I'm like, okay, this is. We're playing. We're playing farmers. Yes. Two, two games that you don't have to to, to take the day, yes. the afternoon off to watch the game. Essentially, uh, one thing that I noticed when I was looking at this is pot one has some really quality teams in it, and so yeah. you know you have the likes of Roma, Napoli, Benfica, Leverkusen, Moscow, Villarreal, um, PSV, uh, though uh, PSV Eindhoven. Those are some really quality teams, and then we're going to get the the teams from the Champions League that don't make it out of the group. So um, I'm excited. I'm excited to be in Europe. I know it's Europa League, and we, we've gotten spoiled with the Champions League the past four years, five years, however many years. Real quick, um, if, if you're Bale, we're minus a striker and a midfielder. If if you're Bale, you got to be thinking, I left this club, you were in Europa League, you spent all these years in Champions League getting better, <laughs> I come back and we're back in fucking Europa League. Well, it's his job to get us back to the Champions League. Yeah. It's his job. Uh, they, otherwise, he's packing back to Madrid again. Yeah, if we don't make Champions League next year, there's no way that, but I don't think there's any way Bale stays. Um, let's move on to Manchester United preview. Uh, how do we line up, Austin? Um... Given given who who played today and who was subbed off, I think you know Lois is Hugo's in goal. Obviously, I think we're going to see Doherty at right back. Um, we have an international break right after, so I think we'll see Doherty. I think we're going to see Dyer Sanchez at center back, and I think Regulon's going to be thrown in. I think Regulon's going to be thrown in at left back. Um, now, here's where I'm, I'm struggling. We played so well against Chelsea with the back three. Do we go with the back three? So I'm going to make a call here. I think we go with the back three. I think we're going with a back with a five of Doherty, Toby, Dyer, Sanchez, Regulon. And then we're going to have a midfield three of Ndombele, Lo Celso, and Hoybear. And then we'll have Kane up top with probably Lucas. Chris, thoughts? Do you have any difference of opinions here? No, that's probably about right i mean uh considering and and what makes that decision for me is that we don't have sun i think if sun is playing it makes a that's what makes it a not a back three is that additional player regulon given what we saw the other day is the attacking difference that sun was he's not as good it's not that he is the attacker that sun was but he's an extra attacker that you're missing because you don't have Sonny out there. So, yeah, if, if Sun were healthy, I would say we go, we're go. we going with the back four and then, you know, the, the normal three in the middle or the hopeful three in the middle, rather. But without Sonny over there, yeah, he's going to use that extra spot as a defensive player. It's probably going to be a defender or a center back. And um, then re- let Regulon be the uh, like the left, be- left, uh, left back, left wing back. That's a good shout. What we what I want to point out today is we did not see Ndombele 
um, come in. So I think Indomitable is going to start so, on yeah, Sunday. Well, it's also came off at halftime. So I think we are going to get to see what we've wanted to see for so long. Hallelujah. We're going to get to see. Please, um, God, let it work. <laughs> we are going to get to see however we line up in the back. I don't think it changes the fact that it's Hoiberg, Los Celso, and Dombele finally starting against a big, lad. big game. And then we will see Kane. Um, Lucas, did um, did Lucas come on today? No. Did he come on today? No. Yeah, he scored a goal. He played the whole 90. So maybe Lucas doesn't start. I'm not sure. Um, but I, I agree. However well, we line Bergwijn up. Bergwijn also played virtually the whole game, didn't he? Yeah. He did. Um, Lamella was on the bench all day today. Uh, Cheeky Deli? Cheeky Deli uh, with Kane could, up top? Could be Deli. Um, but I think that the only thing that's for sure here is that... Uh, not, nothing's Deli. for sure. But this could be the time that we see the midfield that we want to see. And that will be exciting for me. So I do agree. I think Reggie gets the start. Uh, he he deserved the start after how well he played on Tuesday against Chelsea. And then... Um, None of that's based on your hatred for Davies, right? There's no way you can start Davies over Re- Regulon Some on Sunday. There's no way. Some of that is based. A little bit is that my hatred for Davies, but <laughs> at the end of the day, there's there's nothing that Reggie Regulon did on on Tuesday that doesn't dictate that he should get a start on Sunday. Um, are we scared of United, Chris? Are you scared of United? No, I'm not. It's not that I'm scared. Number one, I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is either number one or number two on my list of plat- of managers who are going to lose their jobs by Christmas. Um, I, I don't think he lasts too much longer in that job because he just, I, I don't think he can manage that team to where United expect to be. I just don't. Um, I think he will be out coached by Mourinho in some way, shape or form. Um, yeah, I, I don't have a fear of them. I think it's a winnable game. I think it's a tough game because they have some talent, but it's definitely a game that we should be able to walk into thinking we can get these three points. These are three important points, and we should be able to win them. Austin, is there anyone on their team that you expect for United to start on Sunday that you would feel like would slot into our team without any debate? Yeah, there's more than one player I give him say. to me uh pogba walks into our walks into our squad think, he's a horrible he's a horrible ho- locker room presence but uh, pogba's talent is undeniable and bruno fernandez um i don't know if he walks into our squad and i could i would not want him at our squad but his talent i mean he, he only thing saving, but you're saying no debate right. so those two players oh, so no essentially debate. and don't so no blame Celso, right they, no they would debate. be taking those no debate then i think the only player that's no debate is pogba which just shows you how much our club has changed in the past six years. We are talking about Manchester United, and we are not thinking that. Oh yeah, like they're you know we would prefer to have six, seven of their players as opposed right. to who we have. Here we are saying Mikhail Pogba, who essentially is a world class player. Other than that, I mean, not a single one. Of nothing. No one on their. Now. No one on their back four. Not even Slabhead is is taking a, a spot from our center backs. I, I, I mean, thought, how did he get out of jail in Greece? By the way, I thought he was in some like Greece Greece jail. What happened uh, there? Uh, Edward Edward Ward's got connections everywhere. Nothing, nothing happened with any. Um, let's do predictions real quick. Um, Austin, predictions on the game on Sunday. Well, I'm bold. I think this will be our first clean sheet. I think we win two 0 Chris, 
Two to one. Two to one. Uh, I, I'm going to say uh, three to one. Is, I think we went three to one. I think that um, here's what I think about this season. This is Jose one Mourinho's. Penalty, 90th minute penalty, losing one nil is probably what's going to happen then, right? Because we're all predicting. <laughs> I'm thinking that this is Jose Mourinho's revenge tour. He just did it with Frank Lampard. He just knocked off Chelsea. We didn't see him beat uh, United last year or Chelsea. And this is his time to be like, you know what? I'm going to get my revenge tour, and this is where it starts. Two in one week, knocking off Chelsea, kicking them out of the uh, the Carabao Cup. Now we're going to go into United and really put um, Ollie Gunner on, on the hot seat, like Chris just said. So I think... Points um, games if they lose. Three points out of the first four games if they lose this. Yeah. and it, Well, they didn't play the first week, so this is the third game. But uh, uh, okay. this, this has... This can really, really kickstart our season to having, you know, nine games in 20-something days and then finishing with, with a victory at Old Trafford. And remember, there's no fans, so this isn't the Old Trafford that we're concerned about where uh, it's yeah, a tough place big. to play. That's, big. that's a big play. You know, it's a big, very... It's a huge, you know, the theater of dreams, they call it, right? But you go there and it's empty. Like, no one's scared. You know, just go out there and play your game and Mourinho's going to have them hyped up for this. And I think that we're going to see... Um, this 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 kickstarts our season before the international break. You know, it Colin, sets the expectations for us. That's a good shout because if you remember during the Chelsea game, he was arguing with Lampard on the touchline. And after the game, did you see him skipping with Jao Sacramento yeah. down the tunnel yeah. after the game? They were arm arm in arm skipping down yeah. the tunnel. And and he, and, and he mind gamed Lampard. He's like, you know, he was talking shit about the Westbrook. I, I watched both post game uh, press conferences and. He was he was mind gaming him saying, you know, when you were down three nil at West Brom sitting on your bench like a baby pouting is not the way to manage your club. Um, and so I think that uh, he said know. something on the touchline to Frank about three nil. Yeah. Several times. Like, so we're going back and forth. This this was a again, that Chelsea game the players that that Chelsea game was the game where I really thought about it. Like, wow, this is. Jose Mourinho is on the Spurs touchline doing all of the things that I've hated about Jose Mourinho for 20 years. Yeah. But he's doing them now for me. So I now think they're funny. Like, I think it's funny <laughs> that he mind gamed the entire week. He probably told like he, he told everybody that we're going to play this weekend lineup against Chelsea because we didn't, we're not prioritizing this. And I'm Mourinho. Uh, I'm guessing that Frank probably went out and told his club the entire week they're going to play weak. Let's not, you know, we don't need to uh, run ourselves crazy over this game. This is the Carabao Cup. We're going to knock Spurs out real quick. I'll put out a pretty good team. We'll look good. And then we'll walk home. It'll be fun. Yeah. And when they got out and it was much more difficult than they thought, it turned into all right, well, now I got to kick you guys back in the gear. And it's already too late at that point. Jose Mourinho has already played his mind of games. You've already felt like it's. Well, you heard weird Mourinho after games. the game, right? Huh? You heard Mourinho after the game. They asked him, they said, I thought you said that you, that you weren't going to, you weren't going to try in this game. He said, I never said that. I said, we, <laughs> we can't compete. I said that we were going to fight. He was quite already changing the narrative afterwards. He said, I never said we weren't going to try. We weren't going to compete. I said that we were going to fight. <laughs> English is a second language, but he speaks it better than any politician I have seen in my lifetime here in America. It is incredible. This is this is the highlight of having Jose Mourinho 
as your coach. Like this is the, all of the things that we have always hated about him at other clubs where he at Chelsea and at Madrid, these are the things that we're now seeing. Like, this is what it's like to, these aren't games that Pochettino played. Pochettino didn't do this. He didn't know how he, Let's enjoy this while we can, because we yeah, know exactly. we know at some point the party will end. So let's enjoy yes. all this. Enjoy yeah, the you got to take it now. Uh, take it while you can get it, because uh, he's going to blow this up sooner or later. Yeah, I agree. It's going to. Uh, I'm not going to worry about the the future. That's something I would just live my day to day life on. Some things are out of your control. When Mourinho sets this uh, ship on fire, if he it'll wins us, and hose, it'll be like he wins us two be glorious until the end of the video. Yeah. Yeah, if we walk out of this whole just Jose Mourinho experience with two cups, I'm okay. Two cups, but the depth that you will have built that will still be here. He he leaves behind him a pretty significant base yeah. of how to how to build a club. So, I mean, if we walk out of this and we win like a League Cup this year or a Europa League or God willing, he takes us all the way to winning the league, uh, I'm fine. Yeah. I'll live. Real quick, I want to touch on a few things. Uh, son's injury, I know that, um, was it a hamstring? Yeah, the groin, hamstring. Um, looks like that he will be back after the international break, most likely. Um, I don't think there's any re- reason to rush him back. We, we I think we, we kick off on the 17th against West Ham, I believe. Um, not, and granted, West Ham just thrashed Wolves, but um, not to, I don't want to rush him back. <clears throat> there were uh, photos of Bale uh, back in training today. I know Austin probably got a little too excited uh, when he saw that. Um, thoughts on uh, on Bale? A good chance that we see him on the bench for West Ham. Skipping the break. He's skipping the Welsh. Um, yeah, he's not. He's he's definitely back for West Ham. Definitely back for West Ham. It's not going to happen. But then again, I said Bale's not was never coming back to Spurs. He's back in training, Colin. Mourinho started Tanganga, started Tanganga against Chelsea when no one knew he was even in contention. Yeah. Does Bale make the bench on Sunday? Uh, no. Not this Sunday. No. No. <laughs> no. He's not going to he's not going to play for Wales. There's no way he's on the bench on Sunday. No, absolutely not. He does not sit the bench. But it was, now, it was go ahead, He go ahead. is on the bench when uh when the international breaks over, I think he's either on the bench okay. if not starting. chance you guys are right. But if Bale makes the bench on Sunday by some miracle, I fully expect. If he makes the bench on Sunday, it's complete mind game saying, hey, United, you fucked up because you're not getting Jadon Sancho. You should have got Bale. (laughs) And he's on our bench. That's what Mourinho's doing. He's saying, you're an idiot. Look what I've got on my bench. Um, And and I don't have to touch on it. Hey, Ole. Hey, Ole. Hey, look look who we got. but, I, you know, it's great to see him smiling. It makes you feel like, hey, you know what? Um, he's back loving his football, and that's what that's what I think that he needed. I think that's what we all agree. He needed he needed the support from his club, his fan base, his manager, and he has it, and that's where he thrives. And so, uh, real quick, I want to touch on um, the striker that uh, has been reported to be joining us on loan. It looks like a $3 million loan um, with an option to buy. A really expensive option to buy, so I'm not I'm obviously that that number can be talked down. It looks the reports are it's about forty forty five million dollars to buy. Lower than Jetson. It is cheaper than Jetson. Uh, and if if it, I, from correct me if I'm wrong, Austin and Chris, but if we do choose to uh, to buy him from uh, Benfica, it's going to be uh, he'll sign a five year contract when we do sign him um, through 2025 or 2026. Um, That's the details. Uh, 
Uh, uh, Austin, talk to me about this, uh, Carlos uh, Vinicius. Vinicius, am I saying it right? Uh, that's that's what I that's what okay, I Carlos Vinicius. Talk to me about him. What you know about him? Um, how do you feel like he will fit into our squad? Is he the striker that we need? I don't know if he's the striker we need. I think Pilati would be would have been better. Um, Milik had crazy injury problems, so I think he's a very good choice. And and Mourinho definitely wanted him, so he's twenty five. So he's not a he's not a youth player anymore. He's he's old enough to be expected to play right away. Last season in in Portugal, he had eighteen goals in the league with five assists. But he's not a creative player. So he's six three, one ninety. He's a big guy. He's a big dude. He's bigger than Kane in that sense. Um, his his biggest attributes is that he puts himself in fantastic positions in the box. You, Colin, you played striker. You know you don't score tap-ins frequently unless you are someone that has a high IQ of where to put yourself. So he puts himself in great positions. He's a great finisher. He has a scoring percentage of like 33% when he shoots. Like basically when he pulls the trigger, there's a really good chance it's on target or in the goal. Um, he's a big, strong presence. Um, he had some assists last year. I think those were mainly, mainly tap overs. He was a Napoli player. So he came from Brazil, from Brazilian youth side to Napoli. Napoli loaned him out two or three times, the different places, Monaco, a different, uh, Portuguese side. And then Benfica finally bought him. They bought him for like 20 million euros. And apparently it was thought that he was, they overpaid for him, but then he immediately in his one season from Benfica scored, you know, contributed to 25 30 goals so so why are they getting rid of him gonna, right so you know benfica he's a mendez in... player he's a mendez player that's why he mendez mendez basically um said here's a loan and, he, and then if he plays really well you're going to get all your money back if he doesn't play well enough then you're going to get him back in a year and they got him because benfica was knocked out of champions league by jan vertongen own goal they got knocked out of their out of their playoff qualifier by jan vertongen oh, no and so that's why Ruben Diaz got sold to Manchester City, and that's why they have loaned out their striker. Um, plus, uh, they've changed their coach, and I think that their coach has a different system. That maybe they're not—they want a more mobile um, uh, striker. You know, he's more of a, a, a big poacher. Um, so I think he gives us a different option than Harry Kane. He's not going to contribute to the buildup. He's not going to get a lot of touches. He's a guy that's always going to position himself in the box to score goals, which is what you want late in games as a sub which is what you want when you have a lot of creative players on the pitch and you don't want to play Harry Kane. So he has a good shout. He's a good chance of, of being a decent rotation option for us. But yeah, Jan Vertonghen's own goal knocked Benfica out of Champions League. I don't know if you guys were aware of that. They lost two to one, but yeah, his was the one of the one of the two goals against Pauk. Wow, P-A-O-K too. That's unfortunate. Um, Chris, any any chance that uh, we pay, we pay, we, we bring him on, let's say he has, uh, scores 10 goals and you know, this this year, any chance that you think we sign him on as a permanent deal in the summer, or is this just a something to get us through until uh, we get Parrot back? Well, I mean, it, it it honestly depends on the terms. Um, I mean, we all know how how Levy works his his magic when it comes to finances, and we were talking about this earlier about how where's all this money coming from? Uh, it's a lot of it comes down to the fact that Levy's kind of a financial genius that way. So we'd have to find out what the terms are of uh, whether or not that full 38 is what's required to to complete it, or if it's one of those things where he ha- we have to complete certain objectives, or are there, you know, what leads to that 
total amount of money because it may be 38 it may be less um that's that's the big thing and we don't i mean he may come here and be the exact thing we need as a backup striker like i said is he's a he could be a young lorente where he's that big giant target guy that you just ping a ball towards and he's right there to head it home (laughs) like the hit ball hit ball um yeah he i i think there's a better chance that even never having seen this individual play that we keep him than we do jetson considering how expensive jetson is i have a different theory he's a mendez player and we're waiting on troy parrot to improve i think there's a good chance that over the next two three seasons we just continually loan in as a backup as a one-year backup every year until parrot's ready because who is going to come here permanently to be Kane's backup? I think it's much more likely in two or three years, Kane's going to be pushing 30. Parrot will be in his early 20s. I think Parrot's not ready yet, and we're looking for short-term solutions until Parrot is ready. And I honestly and think that, becomes... that is a good chance. Yeah. And then yeah. Parrot becomes the heir, a Parrot. Ha-ha! <laughs> oh, God. You've been, you wrote that down like three weeks ago, waiting <laughs> to use that line. Oh. Wheeling around in there for a while. Yeah, you have your own separate notepad up with these little things that you have. Was it diarrhea earlier? Diarrhea. Now, there it is. Yeah, show it to me. Um, last, last thing I want to talk about before we get out of here. I know it's been a really long podcast. Thanks for uh, staying on so long. Um, you know, we have had, I think, a transfer window that nobody could have imagined. Do we get over the line? Do we sign the center back that that uh, a lot of people are um, reporting that is is inevitable? Essentially, um, will we sign a center back? And if we do, is it is it um, Skriniar from uh, Inter Milan, Austin? It, I think it's him or bust at this point because it's gotten late, and I think so. Ruben Diaz is not an option anymore. Well, Ruben Diaz, I think, is going to city to, now. Yeah. yeah. So I think City oh put in a city. fifty million. How many center backs are they going to buy? All uh, of them. Not enough because they just gave up five goals to Leicester. Um, I think it's him or nothing. I think just like how we kept seeing, we we've seen rumors pop up and then the original transfer goes through. I think the Rudiger stuff is just a smokescreen to say, hey, we have other options. I hope to God we don't they paid get sixty-two million for Ruben Diaz. That's why we didn't that's yeah. why we didn't that's why we didn't get him. And so, they sent they sent Odomendi off to Benfica. <laughs> so so Inter Milan is is adamant they want 45, 50 million and we've been offering 30, 35. But the prevalent theory that I'm really subscribing to now is that we weren't going to pay this until we were sure, 100% sure we were in Europa League group stage and got that money yep. for group stage and knew that we were going to have a good chance to get through, get additional money once we get out of group stage. Um, and my hesitation here is that he is on the outs with Conte at Inter Milan because Conte plays a back three and doesn't like Skriniar in a back three. So Jose loves this guy, but if we all just said that he's going to start playing this back three is Skriniar our back four center back. And then we have three other guys that play our back three system. I don't know, but I think it's either him or nobody. Um, the fact that we loaned in this striker instead of paying money for him and that Foyth is seems and that uh, it seems like it's tomorrow. Yeah. We're going to see an announcement that he's going to Valencia or one of those clubs on loan. Yeah. 
I think Skriniar comes in by the transfer deadline for sure mm-hmm. because Inter's already been. I think Inter brought in. Didn't they bring in an ex United? Uh, yeah, they've already they're already going shopping for another center back. Like they keep saying, "Oh well, no, he's part of the plans," but at the same time, they're shopping for another center. Inter's back. been smart and staying staying firm on their price, knowing that this was going to go late into the window anyways. And I think Levy's willing to pay forty for him, but wanted to make sure we were in Europa League group stage first, yeah. and nothing crazy happened. Yeah, yeah. Chris, Chris, real quick, I want to ask you um, something that concerns me is we have not seen any players on their way out. We have eight days. Austin or Chris, whoever knows, is the transfer window over October 9th or is that? It's is the fifth. The fifth. It's okay, Monday. Let, let me, fifth. Let me it's fix Monday. It. We have three after. It's already the second in, in, in England. We have three days until this is over. What are What are we doing with all these players? I think Danny Rose just popped up and said, "Hey, have you heard what's going on with Milan?" <laughs> just now. Just now, he's hang, he's hovering around the the, train, the around the uh, the training ground, not leaving Levy's pocket. Um, There's literally nothing on Google about Danny Rose leaving our club. Well, here's the thing, Danny Rose. Number one, we all like this is the last year of his contract, right? So at the end of this year, he's gone, no one way or the other. Um, Danny uh, Levy has has been very adamant with when he does transfer business when he's especially if he's selling a player that he believes is of a certain value he's not moving on any shortcoming deals until he can get the valuation he feels is necessary or something close to it and i think from what we're finding out now is he's become very willing to look i'll hang on to some of these players until I get what I want for them because I've got them on contracts. I've got them on deals. I'm not going to sell a Danny Rose that I, I'm not going to sell him for dirt cheap. If I think I can get something for him somewhere, someone needs a left back and Danny Rose would be the perfect left back for that club. And I'm going to wait till that club surfaces. And I think that's what we've run into is I, I don't think he's willing to let some of these guys go for less than, Less than value. He's not going to undervalue them if he thinks he can he can get something out of the deal. Yeah, but, what do we do if, if we don't like? I understand that, but at some point you have to realize, okay, great, you keep them, but they they're losing value when they don't get playing well, time. The right, other part so they, of it also is um, people have to come for them. Well, I mean, we learned this with uh, with Christian Eriksen. Somebody's got to come for these players. Otherwise, there's nothing you can do. And you can either decide to let that stand in the way of your new business and getting in players that you need, or you can play this weird balancing act, which is what we've kind of been doing. So if nobody's come for Danny Rose, there's just nothing you can do about it. Uh, you, But you have to move on from him. We, we're right. We're ready to move on from Danny Rose. We I'm have not to. even, I guess, I, you know, just to be clear, I'm not even talking, I'm not even that concerned about Rose. I'm more no, of I'm, like thinking, same I'm thinking like, Gazaniga. you know, Gazaniga, I'm thinking um, Sessegnon, uh, on loan, Jack Clark, here. Jack uh, Clark, so, CCV. Um, go so, ahead, so I would say Clark and Sessegnon will either be kept on and play with the U23s, or if they can't get a loan, then Clark and Sessegnon will be playing with the U23s and be there for injury crisis because Mourinho doesn't like loaning, get, loaning players. Or he, he, he doesn't like loaning them out unless they're going to get starting time, right? I, I'm not too concerned about those two players. I think a team's going to come in for Sessegnon, absolutely. 
I think we saw uh, Rangers quality. today was asking about yeah. him. Well, I don't want to, ro- to loan him to someone like Rangers. I would want him to go to a Premier League club, a lower Premier League club. There's clubs that are going to want. I don't know about Jack Clark. Um, CCV, he, we haven't been able to sell, we've been trying to sell him for two or three years. I mean, again, I don't think he's keeping that much wages for us. Gazaniga is going to get sold before the transfer deadline ends. There is, yeah. if there is a lower Premier League club that needs a, that needs a keeper, that's going to happen. Danny Rose, I think he's going to get the treatment that some of the players did in Pochettino's first year, where he'll be sent to the reserves for half a season. And then in January, someone will come in and we'll finally let him go. But I'm not worried about Danny Rose because he should be motivated to go play somewhere because he doesn't have that many years left in his, in his career, right? Um, Juan yeah. Foyth is the one that, that worries me because it's unclear if he, if we want to loan him and keep him after a loan, if we still want him to play for us or if we're just trying to get him off the books. Foyth keep CCV is a youth player. I don't he's not keeping a, a foreign spot for us, right? Danny Rose, youth player, he home run player, not keeping a spot from us. Session Clark, same things, youth players doesn't count. Gazaniga needs to get sold, so we have the foreign player spot. And Juan Foyth needs to be loaned out so he's not registered or he needs to be moved on. Those are the two players, and they both happen to be Argentine, but those are the two players that I really am worried about before Monday. Yeah. I think I think you're right. I think Foyth is is I think that deal's probably in works and just hasn't been announced. Gazaniga, I, I think same thing. I'm also kind of wondering because you know there's sometimes there's that weird thing with the transfer deadline wherein um the deadline for outgoing transfers to European clubs expires. But if you're loaning clubs within like the English FA, you can still do that. And I don't know if that's still the case to where, you know, because if that's the case, then yeah, that's where a player like CCV is going to get moved to back to Luton or to wherever it is that, that they can get him is. Yeah, man. Transfer market has some really, really, I, I don't know if you guys are to ever take a look at transfer market, but if you don't, then I encourage you to to look at the market value that it has on some of our players. It has, uh, it has Danny Rose as a higher market value than Hugo Lloris. Just, yeah, just in case you were wondering. Absolutely. Uh, and then high. it also has, um, Lucas Moore valued higher than Gareth Bale. Uh, just some very, very interesting numbers here on the on transfer market. And clearly this is like just their value of these players. But uh, hopefully we do see some of these players uh, either get a loan move or, or get shipped out so we have that extra cash flow to, to, to fund this crazy window that we've seen. And a lot of these have been loans, and so we're not super pot committed as far as uh, upfront cash. But... You know, it's been a crazy window. Uh, let's. But we're not going to get to record again. Maybe we do uh, Sunday night. But bef- I just want to talk about this now. Scale of one to ten. Before we get out of here, Austin, how would you rate this transfer window? Uh, nine. If we don't get Skriniar, fifteen. If we get Skriniar, I mean, it's as close to perfect as it can get. If we get Skriniar, <laughs> it's the best transfer window that you could have ever imagined. I mean, we hit every box. Yeah. Yeah. Chris. Uh, same thing. If yeah. we can, if if everything were as it is right now, and we walked out that if uh, the transfer ended ended right now, I'd say it was a nine at least. Like this is a perfect window. You couldn't really. We checked every box that we possibly that, that we needed. Yeah. Uh, if we do get screener, ten. If ten, we ten, do ten, ten, ten. that, then it's a perfect. perfect window. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy what a manager can do for your club, right? Crazy what the influence of uh, the special one can do for your club. Uh, all right, guys. 
great. We made it under two hours. Holy shit. Uh, (laughs) To be fair, we had four matches to review, ending up a preview of of, of a huge top six fixture on Sunday, and then additional uh, just talking about transfer uh, window. After United, because well, yeah, after United, we just have one game to to review, and then we have an international break. So uh, we'll get hope the games are are going to slow down a little bit for us and give us some more time. Um, But hey, guys, appreciate it. Uh, also, shout out to Chris. You'll hear some new intro music uh, for this this week's podcast. Thanks, uh, Chris, for taking the time to do that. Uh, as always, come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs.